ask that you stand with us as you look on the screen for our text today. Don't let that food smell distract you today. Smell that brisket cooking. Thank you, sweetie. Now, it's a very important time in this service because now we're opening God's holy word. There's nothing more precious and sacred than God's holy word. We've been, we've been in Hebrews 11. We've been talking about faith. We've been talking about how God commended those in the past who had genuine faith. We looked at, looked at Abel. We looked at Enoch. We looked at Noah. And today we look at one of the greatest men to ever cross the pages of human history. His name is Abraham. It began Abram, and then God added, changed it to Abraham. And there's a whole teaching on that part of his name. I won't go into that. That's not our purpose today. But look on the screen as we read the word of God. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. When he was called, he obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents, with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Our Father, today, we tremble before your word. Lord, I ask today that you would bless our hearts, that we receive the seed that's being scattered in this sanctuary today. I ask you to let it fall on the good soil of our hearts. Lord, that we, like Abraham, will say, yes, I will obey you. Yes, I will walk in your word. We ask you to teach us today. Holy Spirit, give us your divine help. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I've titled the message today, Abraham, the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. So today we, we look at Another Old Testament character that God in Hebrews 11 commends to us as someone who had genuine faith. He's one of the greatest men to ever live. And of course, as I've said, his name is Abraham. The Lord gave Abraham a promise in Genesis 12. I'll read it. It'll be on your screen. The Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. Now look at these great promises. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And, I, and anyone who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now there's a lot there. Because God promised him a land. God promised him a name. God promised him a lineage with a seed, but Scripture talks about not seeds, because we know there was Ishmael, but seed through Isaac, which of course our Lord Jesus Christ would come and redeem the world, and that's how he blessed the world. But the one promise here, the Lord said, I will make your name great. So I ask you this question today, 
Who do you know today that is revered by Muslims, revered by Jews, revered by Christians? And of course, the answer is Abraham. You can't say that of anyone else. Not even our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he's the very son of God and Abraham was just his servant. I will make your name great. Today, Muslims revere Abraham. Today, the Jewish people, of course, revere Abraham. And of course, we revere Abraham because he, according to Romans, is our father in the faith. So we think about this. The Bible is prolific with Abraham and it always connects with what it is to walk in faith and to trust God. And what we see in Abraham, though he lived two millennia before Christ, what we see is what we see is that he teaches us about the new covenant against works. Paul uses him to do that. And the question is, how could Abraham know about the new covenant so far in advance? Galatians says this in 3 and 8. The scripture foreseeing that God, notice that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. God was preaching new covenant to Abraham before the old covenant even came into existence. Before there was ever a Jewish law, God was showing what his eternal plan was. Here's what Jesus said of Abraham. Your, your, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. And they, and they, they begin to mock Jesus. Are you, are you, you know, you're just 30 years old or so, and yet Abraham's been dead all this time, and he saw your day? But how did he see his day? How did Abraham see the day of Jesus? There in Hebrews, again, it says in the 13th verse, the, the, those people who died in faith, they, they saw the promises afar off, and they embraced them. But how would Abraham see Jesus' day? I believe that one of the ways that Abraham saw the day of Jesus was that when God said, Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take your son. I want you to take your only son. I want you to take him to the mountains that I will show you. We know there was Mount Moriah. I stood on Mount Moriah not long ago. I stood there on the Temple Mount where the temple had been. I stood there where the Dome of the Rock is. And right there, they believe that that's where God, that's where Abraham came. And he brought his son Isaac. I want you to take your son and I want you to offer him up as a whole burnt offering. Now, can you imagine the, the consternation? Can you imagine the battle? This was the son of promise. Took them 25 years to see this promise fulfilled. You know Abraham and Sarah, they like us. They tried to help the Lord. I know none of you never helped the Lord. We've, I know I have. I've helped, tried to help the Lord many times. You always get in trouble when you get ahead of the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, church. Wait on God's timing. Sometimes we don't know how. Sometimes we don't know where, when. We don't know the path. We're not, we're not called to figure all that out. We're called to trust God. God will work all, out all the extenuating circumstances. We're called to trust Him. We can't figure all this out. We're finite. He's infinite. His ways are higher than our ways. So uh, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways above our ways. And here's Abraham. In a sense, we know, we know in Hebrews 11, we get commentary. What we get in Genesis 22 of that story 
is we get the story. We don't get the internal commentary of what is happening in Abraham's heart. But then in Hebrews 11, he said that he believed that God, he was going to have to kill him. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's what it means. He was going to have to kill Isaac because God told him to do that and that God was going to raise him from the dead right there. You're talking about faith. He didn't know. He just knew that God told him to do this. And in the midst of this, he's about to take the knife and he's about to slay his only son, the only hope there was, the one seed that God said was the seed of promise through Isaac. All the nations will be blessed. All the world will be blessed. And about, he's about to thrust the knife down. And the Lord speaks and says, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Now I know. Now I know that you truly obey me. And he showed him a lamb in a thicket. And that lamb was the substitute. And in, a, and, in a, and in a precursor, if you will, in a typology, the Lord was, he was seeing Jesus' day because what would happen thousands of years in, in, in the future, God would offer his son and his son would hang on the cross and they would put nails in his hands. They would put nails in his feet. They would take the crown and place it down upon his brow. And he would hang there for six hours, three to six, or three to, uh, nine to three in the afternoon. And about the time of the evening sacrifice. But the thing different than Abraham, God the Father did not intervene. God allowed Jesus to take the sins of the world. And he died there on the cross for you and I. And I think part of what it means when Jesus said, Abraham saw my day, he saw that precursor. He saw that picture of what he would do as a precursor, as a, as a type. God would do in actuality to die for the sins of the whole world. So in Abraham, what we actually see, and maybe you've never noticed it this way, but what we see in Abraham is a new beginning. You know God can give new beginnings. No matter how a person has lived. And you know we may compare ourselves with other people. But the truth is. We're all a part of Adam's sinful fallen race. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the moment a person says yes to Jesus. Listen. No matter how they live. No matter how long they've lived in sin. No matter what sins they've been, the blood of Jesus Christ can break the power of sin, wash the sins away, give a person a new heart. And at Calvary, there's a new beginning. But as you read in Genesis, and you read this story from chapter 1 to chapter 11, you realize what a mess man has made of the world. Just in 11 chapters, what a mess the world had come to. The world needed a new beginning. I mean, in the beginning, God created man and woman. He created them perfect in a perfect environment. He breathed into them the breath of life. And then they sinned against him. And man fell and developed the sin nature. Now all of us have sin natures that we have to deal with. In the fourth chapter, Cain killed his own brother Abel. By the time we get to the, the sixth chapter through the eighth chapter, uh, the, the world had become so corrupt, God had to cleanse it by a flood. We come to chapter 9, we see the man of God getting drunk. He even exposes himself to one of his children. And we come to chapter 10, 
and from the, from the ark that God said, go out and be multiply, etc. By the time we get to chapter 10, they built a city called Babel, and they built a city in defiance of God, and they're disobeying God again. And we come to chapter 11. And what does the world need? The world needs a new beginning. How did God start the new beginning? He started with a man. He started with a great man that would have his name be great and that his name would be famous and that he would bless the world and he would be a picture, a prototype, if you will, of what it means to live by genuine faith in God and his name is Abraham. And it says, the Lord said to him, just think where would we be today if we did not have Abraham and Sarah who obeyed God. We would not have the Jewish nation. We would not have this precious, lovely, holy Bible. We would not have Jesus Christ because he came through the seed of Isaac, through Abraham. Could God have done it another way? Well, certainly he could do what he wants to. He's God. But I'm telling you, Abraham has blessed the worlds. Where would we be today if we had not had this obedient man and woman? But put yourself in, the, in your story. Where would your family be if you don't walk in faith? Where would your church be if you don't walk in faith? Where would people around you be if you and I don't walk in faith? We have a part in our own story of the Lord. I wish I could get to all of this, but here's what faith does. And here's what Abraham did. Faith hears the call of God. That's what I want to talk about just for another moment. Faith, what, it, what does it do, pastor? It hears the call of God. Secondly, faith obeys the command of God. Thirdly, faith trusts the providence of God. When God gives us a promise and we obey, the worst thing you can do is try to figure out all the details. It'll drive you crazy. Trust His providence. When you get there, when the dream and the promise feels like it's going to die, he'll have a ram there for you. It trusts the faith inherits the promises of God. But the one thing I want to talk about, I can't get to all those. I want to talk about the call. The Bible said God had called him. God said, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And the Bible says, he went out not knowing where he went. Now, what have you said to your wife? We're going on vacation. Where are you going? Or, or, or even worse, that? we're moving. Where are we moving? I don't know. We're selling the house. We're packing up the U-Haul. No, wait a second. Wait, so we're moving. You, 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 I've already sold the house. We're moving. So where are you got a new job? You got a transfer? No, I don't have a job. Do you, do you have a, a, a place, a city? No, I don't know the city. So you don't know the city. You don't know the place. You don't have another house. You don't have another job. Are you nuts? Have you lost your mind? Now, I don't know if Sister, Sister Sarah was a, a micromanager, but if she was, Abraham drove her crazy for over 100 years. You ever met those people? Okay, I've got to know every little detail. Every, I've got, got to know every little detail, or I can't be in on this, where you're never going to have faith, because you're never going to know all the details, because his ways are higher than our ways, but his ways are perfect. And so here's Abraham, and the Lord called him. So how did God call him? Let's look at this. First of all, God called him in when he needed, desperately needed grace. 
And God calls us all in grace. Listen, we look at Abraham, and I told you, he's got a great name. He lived a great life, not a perfect life. He did some lying along the way. Come on, he lied a couple times, threw his wife under the bus a couple times. That's terrible. But uh, put her, had her, she got in a harem one time because he lied. What would you do if your husband did that to you? So these are not perfect people. But yet, their overarching character of their lives is that even in mistakes, I'm sure they ask God to forgive them, and they would just keep on. You know, there's new grace. There's new beginnings. There's new beginnings along the way. You know, the Bible says, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. You know, so many times the enemy is, is wanting to beat our brains out and to say, you know, you need to give up. This Jesus thing's not working. This Christianity, this, you know, and the enemy's always there to discourage you. But I'm here to tell you, there's always new grace if you stumbled and you skinned your knee, get up, run to the blood of Jesus, and let the Holy Spirit pick you up. Keep moving toward God's promise. Keep moving toward heaven. Keep moving toward eternity. But Abraham needed grace. And notice this. There's a lot of grace in this story. One is that God's the one who initiated this call. Abraham wasn't in his office going, okay, let me, let me, let me plan this out. You know, 10 steps, and I'm going to plan this great life, and I'm going to plan this nation. None of that. God, in His grace, in His sovereign grace, in His mysterious grace, showed up to a man who lived in Iraq, and he began to move in his life. And that's how God moved in all of our lives. Do you realize if the Holy Spirit had not begun to deal with you and awaken your heart, you could never be saved? It's only the Spirit of God. That begins to move. But no man can come to the Father, to the Lord, lest the Father, or to Jesus, lest the Father draw him. There must be the drawing work of the Holy Spirit of God, and God began to work in this man's life in a very gracious way. God called him when he desperately needed grace, because this is a man living in complete idolatry in a city called Ur. He probably worshipped the God called Nanner, the moon god. And you say, well. Abraham wasn't raised to serve the Lord? Absolutely not. Joshua 24.2 says this. Joshua said to the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah. Who's Terah? That's his father. The father of Abraham and the father of Nahor. Notice this. And they served other gods. Here's the father of the Jewish people. Here's the father of us. Because he's the father of our faith. He's the one that God used to bring the seed that would bring Jesus Christ our Savior. And he started as an idolater. Worshipping false God. Knew nothing about Jehovah God. The living God. And notice that he for 75 years. 75 years. That happened in his life. And then all of a sudden. He meets the Lord. And I'll show you that in a moment here. But when we meet God, when we truly meet the Lord, we, idols don't satisfy us anymore. You know that? Idols don't satisfy us. When, when you have met the living God. So God calls him when he's in desperate need of grace. God calls him when he's deep in idolatry. And God calls him when him and his wife are childless. Now, God has to have a sense of humor here, because here's a man that's going to be the father of many nations, but he's childless. 
Sarah was his half-sister, the same father, but a different mother. And God used them. God said, this is who I want to use. This is who I want to use to bring glory to my name. Isaiah 51.2 says this, I called him. I called him alone and blessed him, and I increased him. Why would God want to use someone and give them this promise of multitudes? I mean, he took him to the seashore one time and said, if you could count the grains of sand, that's how many children you're going to have. In the night sky, he said, see all the stars, try to count them. You're going to have more than that. Why would God do something like that? And why would God start with someone who Sarah is childless? And I think the answer is found in the New Testament. Here's the answer. Here's the answer for us in Corinthians. Verse 126. Listen to these words closely. For consider your calling, brethren, for not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong. And the base things of the world, the despised things, God has chosen. The things that are not, so that, so that he may nullify the things that are. So, notice, so that no man may boast before God. By, but by his doing, notice, by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, just as it is written, let him who boasts or glory, let him glory or boast in the Lord. Why would God choose someone who is childless? Because God is going to get maximum glory. This is an impossible situation, but we sang about it today. We serve a God that does miracles. And God's going to wait till the last moment to give them a child. Sarah's going to be 90 years old. Abraham's going to be 100 years old. Oh, so you're not too old to serve the Lord. Come on, guys. God called Abraham when the Gentiles had completely failed and turned their hearts away from God. You read the first part of Genesis. It's like the humanity is in this downward spiral. And we get a picture of it in Romans 1. When God gave them over, God gave them over, God gave them over. That is a picture of the time before Abraham leading up to that time of flood. When man substituted the living God. See, man once knew God. But now here they are turning away from God. And then God called this man named Abraham, the first Jew. And God gave them a new beginning. So think about it. God called Abraham when he was in desperate need of grace. He's in idolatry. He's childless. All the Gentiles around him, including him, had failed. God called him. So think about this. Not only when God called him, but think about how God called him. How did God call this man? We have in Acts 7 and 2. Look at this. And he said, hear me, brethren and fathers, the God of glory, notice, appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, Ur, Iraq, before he lived in Haran. Now notice this. God appeared to him. And we're not told how God appeared to him. But we know this is the first of seven communications that the Lord has with Abraham in Genesis. And somehow, God revealed this glory to him. The God of glory shows up to him. 
and reveals himself to Abraham in an, an amazing and a gracious way. And then after he met God this way, he could never deal with I that I He didn't want Nanner anymore. He didn't want the moon God anymore. There was nothing that was there for him anymore. Do you feel that way today? You, you met Jesus Christ as your Lord. Nothing else satisfies. There's nothing else that satisfied. When you've, listen, when you've tasted of the living water of our Lord Jesus Christ, nothing else satisfies. And I think that's what happened to him. It says clearly that God spoke to him. Once again, Genesis 12. And God spoke to him. I'm going to do this. I want you to leave. I want you to go here. I'll show you. You're going to be this. I'm going to bless you. I'm, I'm going to make your name gate. God spoke to him. And that somehow, just like us, I mean, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So how does faith come? When we proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, it does something. It, it generates faith in the human heart to be saved. Faith comes by hearing the message, the message of Christ particularly his death, his burial, his resurrection. Share the gospel. I, share, I, I, uh, I was with two times this week. I, sh I said to someone, I said, do you know Jesus Christ? And it took, I took him back. The gentleman kind of took him back. And I wasn't in a place where I could, you know, really have dialogue with him. But I asked him, I said, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And then he said, well, you know, I said, do you go to church somewhere? Well, I worship God on the softball field on Sunday. That's what he said. I looked at him, I said, listen, your pastor needs to see you soon. The football field's not going to work. So then, then I asked another gentleman an hour or so later, another, I said, sir, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you met the Lord? Are you saved? He said, that happened before I was born. I thought, wow, i got to hear this. <laughs> that happened before I was born. I said, okay. He said, my grandmother and mother prayed for me. Well, let me tell you, friend, you're not going to find God on a softball field. I'm not saying he's not there, but he's more here than there. Come on. And you're not saved because somebody prayed for you before you were born. You are saved because, like Abraham, you personally met God. You heard the gospel. It built faith in you. And you said, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus is the only Savior. And you came to him with faith and repentance, and you received Christ alone as your Savior. See, Abraham got saved the same way we got saved. He's the father of our faith. Amazing story. So let's close with this. Not only why God called him or when God called him or how God called him, God spoke to him. Now, you're, you're not going to probably hear from God like Abraham did. You're not going to hear the audible voice of God. Some people said they have. I can't say they have or haven't. But I know this. We hear the, we hear the voice of God when we hear this right here. Come on. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. If I never hear the audible voice of God, I, I, this, is, this is God's word. This is sufficient for faith and salvation. This is what we need to rely on, the word of the living God. We hear God's voice when the preacher talks about Jesus and, and, and declares clearly the death, burial, and resurrection. We see the glory of God in the lives of God's people. It says, glorify, you know, live a life and they may, you may glorify your Father, which is to them. We can see His glory in a lot of ways. But God spoke to him. Spoke to this man. So why, lastly, why, why did God call him? Not only when, not only how, but in this message, why? Why did God call Abraham? There's three reasons, and we close. Number one, the Lord called Abraham 
I think, first of all, on a practical level, he cared for him personally. He cares for us personally. Abraham wasn't just a, you know, a number in a vast sea of humanity. Abraham was someone personally that, yes, God was going to use him. But being used of God is always secondary. Listen, relationship is always primary. That's the first thing. And I fear today we got people wanting to rush out in to do ministry, and they don't have the character to sustain ministry. They don't have the doctrinal knowledge to sustain them in it. they got charisma, they have talent, but do they have character? Relationship is primary. That's first. Why is that? Matthew 7. Jesus said, they said to him, didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this and that in your name, etc.? Jesus said, I never knew you. There was no relationship there. People can do things out of talent. It doesn't mean it's anointing. The, per, the, the reason God called Abraham, the primary reason of why God called him, is the Lord wanted a personal relationship with him. He cared about his soul. And God cares about each of our souls. God cares individually about every human being who's on this planet. And God wants to save them. He wants to bless them. I think about Jesus being at the well. The little lady at the well. Just one, he said, remember he said, I must needs go through Samaria. Is what the old King James says. I must needs go through. Maybe something in Jesus' heart. He, he felt something. He felt the sense, the Holy Spirit leading him. I need to go through Samaria. And maybe the Savior, in his humanity, of course, didn't know all the details. Like Abraham, he just felt led to go that way. Just like Abraham felt led and God spoke to him to go toward this promised land. And Abraham went around that fertile crescent, made that journey. Jesus went to that well that day. The disciples go into the city. And Jesus begins to talk to one lady. One little lady. Been married five times. Living with someone that wasn't her husband. Jesus knew all about that. She said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Go bring your husband. I don't have a husband. He said, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've had five. You're living with the guy. Right? Reached out to one woman at a well. And opened salvation for her. If you keep, lady, if you keep drinking this stuff here, this living water, this physical water, this physical life's going to run out. This life's running out, folks. I know I look 19, but I don't feel like it anymore. <laughs> Time's going to click off quicker than you think it is. His little grandson here that I dedicated, he's going to be 20 that quick. You drink that, Lady, you drink this water, you're going to thirst again. All that's going to do is give physical life. But physical life, number one, it doesn't satisfy and it doesn't last. But if you drink the water that I give, if you drink this spiritual water, if you drink this spiritual water, if you allow me to come in your life and save you, you're going to live forever. And she said, give me some of this water. See, people are hungry and they don't even know why they're hungry. Because the world doesn't satisfy us. And he saved that lady that day. She went and became an evangelist, brought the whole city. And then they heard Jesus personally. What am I saying is this. There was a man named Abraham in a far out of way place in that fertile crescent in the Middle East or the Near East and in a town of Ur. He was serving Nanar, the moon god. And without God's grace and mercy, he would have lived and died and you would have never known his name. Never. 
all because God cares about each individual. God cares about you individually. So the primary reason God called him is the Lord wanted to save him. But then the second reason God called him is for world evangelism. The Lord said, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Now that's New Testament teaching. That's gospel. And that's what we're to be a part of. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. The reason we need help putting this building next to us on the hill here is because there are thousands and thousands of people who pass this church. What is it, J.R.? It's like thousands a week. We know that. A month or so, whatever it is. Every one of those persons that drive by this church, we have the answer. The answer is not economical. The answer is not even social. But the answer is spiritual. It's a person. His name is Jesus. We need your help. We need your finance. Because the reason God called Abraham is the reason God is going to call them. They will die lost without Christ for all of eternity unless we reach them with the gospel. And we're all to be, a, we're all to be harvesters. We're all to be harvesters. And then lastly, the reason God called Abraham is he becomes to us a prototype, a template, if you will. You want to know how to live for God? Read the story of Abraham. You want to know the hindrances of faith? Read Abraham. You want to know this man saved by faith, walked by faith, lived by faith, trust God by faith, waited on God by faith. And the Bible says he died in faith. So not only does God care for him personally, not only is he to be used of God to win the world through his seed, Jesus, Isaac, and then Jesus, but also he becomes an example and encouragement to us that he's an example of how to live by faith. Now, I'm going to ask Peyton or Tori, whoever's coming to the piano, if you come and just play. I'm going to share something with you that some of you know, most of you may know, some of you may not know. God said to Abraham, now think about this. Think about where you are today. God said to Abraham, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to give you as an inheritance. That land is the land of Israel. God promised the land. You know, they say the Palestinians, and I had, listen, I have nothing against the Palestinians. I pray that God would save them. But I know that that land is not the Palestinians. That land belongs to Israel. I just read it to you in Genesis 12. All they, need, all they need to do is go to their Bible to see that God has given Israel to the Jewish nation. God said, go to that land. He didn't know where he was going. So he walks. And then he camps the first night. And then he pulls camp next night. And then finally... He comes into Israel. He lived as a stranger, as an alien. Think about how strong his faith was. Here's a man that God said, this is your land, but he's living like a stranger. He probably thought, oh, well, Lord, you, you promised me this is my land, but you haven't let the Canaanites know. You haven't let the Paranites know. You had not let the Gergesites know because... They think it's theirs. Singular. 
Singular, seed, not seeds. Very specific. Then he couldn't have a child. Then finally about a hundred Romans is incredible. Romans 4 tells about how he didn't stagger at the promise of God. He didn't look at his body. God, I'm old. I can't even have children anymore. But Lord, you said it and it's going to happen. And it did happen. But think about this. Because I think this is going to help you as we conclude today. God promised him a land. When Abraham died at 175, he, he started walking with the Lord at 75. So he lived for God for 100 years. At the end of 100 years, all he owned was a cave where he buried his wife. After all these promises, God, after all these faith battles, and all he owns at the end of his life is a cave at the end of a field that he bought from some Hittites, I think, if my memory serves me correct, for an exorbitant price, by the way. That's, there's a whole deal right there. They really gouged him, but he didn't care. This was, he bought a, he bought a burial site. And, and the Bible says this, he died in faith. But he, in fact, think about this. It wasn't until 500 years later, 500 years after his Jacob, really, or, or, or him, years later, hundreds of years later, that is, that they started going in and inheriting the promised land. Think about it. After Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, it's years and years later that they inherit the promised land. But here's the thing. God kept his promise. God kept his promise. And they did inherit the promised land. They lost it later because of sin, but they did inherit the promised land. So how does that relate to us? We, we get a promise from God. God truly speaks to our heart, a promise. And then we don't see it happen like it's supposed to happen. And we get discouraged, and the devil tries to rob us of faith. You're not called again to figure out how or when or where. You're called to trust God. And when Abraham died, it said he died in faith. All of these died in faith. I don't know all God's going to do through this church or through this ministry, but all I know is this. He will do His will and His plan if we will be faithful. It may outlive our days. But I've said from the beginning, I've said it so many times, I probably sound like a worn-out record. I am not so sure what we're doing on this property is not for many generations to come if the Lord tarries. And I believe there will be thousands right here on this property. And we will have done the hard work for them. Abraham did the hard work. Somebody has to have the guts to do the hard work. Somebody has to have the fortitude to do the hard work. Somebody has to say, I'll walk by faith and I'll trust God even at the end of my life 
of 175 years if all I have is a cave at the end of the field to bury my wife and my dead. But yea, the promises of God will be fulfilled because God's word is faithful and true. You be faithful. God will do it. Amen. I want you to stand with me. Let me have a prayer. I, I feel in my heart what we needed today is to be strengthened in our faith. We needed to be strengthened. I sense that today. I think that some of you in this room, you need to be strengthened. You need to be encouraged in your faith. That's what we do. That's why church is so important that we exhort one another daily as the, as the close, you know, coming closer to the Lord's coming. Don't forsake the assemblies of yourself together. We need encouragement. And you're here today. Why don't we just bow our heads a moment. Pastor, I need encouragement in my faith today. I needed this message. Let me see your hands. I needed this message. Flip your hand up. Let me see it. I needed this today. Let me see your hand. Just so I can acknowledge that I was on target. Let me see your hand. I, I needed this. I needed my faith strengthened. I felt discouraged in areas of my life. Many, many hands are going up. And I want to pray for you right now. Let the word of God strengthen you. Trust him. Trust his providence. Trust his providence. Let strength come. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, confess your sins to him. Confess him as your savior. Repent. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him into your heart. He will come. Call upon the Lord and you will be saved. But I'm speaking now to the saints. Father, I ask in the precious name of Jesus that you would fill your people with Holy Spirit strength right now. Father, we all know it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to be discouraged. It's so easy to want to feel like that you're not, we're not making progress. It's so easy to feel like that we're never going to see all that in our hearts we desire to see. But Lord, we can trust your providence. That loved one that we prayed to be saved, we can trust you to save them. That need that we are asking you to meet, Lord, we can trust you. You're going to meet that need. You promised to take care of us. Lord, we pray against worry. We pray against fear and anxiety that just torments your people. And you said, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Father, today, give your people such peace and such rest that they rest in your care. They meditate on your promises and they feel encouraged. Help us not to get ahead of you, Lord. But Father, help us to wait upon your movements. Lord, help us to not make a misstep and create an Ishmael, which we'll have to live down for the rest of our lives. It's better to wait, church. Saints, it's better to wait upon the Lord. It's better to trust His timing. When you don't understand it, trust Him. When you don't see it, keep trusting Him. When you, when you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Just wait upon the Lord. He shall renew your strength. You shall run and not be weary. You shall walk and you shall not faint. I just want you to lift your hands toward heaven. And just worship the Lord a moment. Let Him give you strength. Let Him love you. Love Him. 
the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in His name. We worship You, O God. We bless You, Lord Jesus. Fill me with strength today. Fill me with Your power. Ephesians 6 and 10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Ask Him to fill you with power. Holy Spirit power. To walk in victory. We worship your name today. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. This morning, as we conclude this time together, what I want you to think about this is when God spoke to Abraham, says he obeyed that's 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 what you think about when you think of abraham he obeyed why don't we have abraham's attitude let's obey the lord let's obey him let's obey his word father it's been wonderful today to to learn about your word and this man who you used named abraham he teaches us so much about faith lord i ask your blessing on our fellowship today I ask you to give us special grace. Multiply your grace to us, O God. Lord, we ask once again your blessing on the funeral service tomorrow for Sister, for Brother Arthur and for the family, Helen and the family. Bless them, Lord. And Lord, I ask you to bless our meal here today as we get ready to pull out these tables. Let there be sweet fellowship today. Thank you for this meal. We bless it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for those who got up early, three or four in the morning to help start cooking this meal. Thank you for Brother Reese. Thank you for Carlton. Thank you for everyone that's chipping in today. This is your family. Now, church, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.